0: All right, all right. Okay, all right, all right. Good morning, guys. How many of you know exactly what that was from? How many of you are totally confused? You have no idea. I, I asked, yeah, exactly. Anybody under 40. Uh, yeah, I asked the worship team, I said, you know what that's from? They're like, no idea. I'm like, cool, all right. It's a little Johnny Carson time. How is everybody? Good. Listen, guys, I want to promise you that over the years, my heart's desire is that we, really look at the word of god fresh and new i i kind of have this picture that we're the first century church just in in a a letter from paul is being read you know the corinthians get the letter the first corinthians letter and they're reading it almost as if we were that church or that synagogue hearing it for the very first time or perhaps maybe one of the biographies of christ from matthew mark luke or john and we're just kind of going through it together i'd like for us to hear the word just new and fresh and this morning, I want to, before I pray, I want to kind of clue you in. This morning, my heart's desire is that you will walk out of here with another tool in your tool, tool belt to really begin to enjoy life. Because I, I believe wholeheartedly, and I can prove it from Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, that God's heart's desire is that you enjoy this life, that you enjoy this world, despite what you think or what you've heard. That's, I believe that's the heart of God let's pray and dig in father we love you and worship you and praise you you're the king of kings and the lord of lords you're everything Uh, you're our provider you're our shepherd you're the lover of our hearts and our souls our minds and our bodies god you're our dad and you are a loving dad that cares so much so holy spirit come and speak open our hearts and our minds speak through me It's not what I have to say, Father. It's what you have to say. So let those words ring out. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So my question for us today is, are you enjoying life? Or are you enduring life? Uh, Are you living life to its fullest? Would you define your existence as rich? You go to bed at night knowing that your life is making a difference. Or that at least it will make a difference. You wake up. In the morning excited about a new day I, I think of my daughter i have this picture of my daughter when we would go to summer camp my kids would get to go to summer camp at senior high every year even though they were young because i was one of the pastors and my daughter would just go full bore all day have a blast at the end of the night i would say katie you have to go to bed and she would say okay dad but i can't wait till tomorrow man does that define you I just can't wait till tomorrow, man. This day has just been so full, so filled, so so filled with joy and people and God, I can't wait till tomorrow. Well, if so, then you're enjoying life. Perhaps you're enduring life. Maybe you often find yourself laying awake at night filled with regrets. Life really hasn't gone your way and you're kind of stuck in that what if mode. What if, what if I had taken the other job or what if I'd gone a little farther in school? What if I hadn't made that terrible mistake in the past that seemed to have defined my future. Or maybe if only I'd said this to her, then this would have happened. Perhaps being around you can be challenging because you're kind of always down, always kind of sad, always kind of miserable. So the question I'm asking legitimately is, are you enjoying life or are you simply enduring it? Now, I asked somebody this recently, and they said, well, a little bit of both. So let me clarify before we press on with this message. There are literally times when sadness is appropriate. I'm not saying that you should always walk around with your head in the clouds. Ecclesiastes says this, that that there is a time to grieve. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. There is a time to cry, but eventually there must come a time to laugh. There is a time to grieve, but if the time to dance never comes, then something might be drastically wrong. I said this before, but during my depression, I had a good friend, Garrison, who would come over our house and... And always eat i mean he would literally show up to eat and uh, we're feeding him dessert after dessert and eventually he just got up and he started dancing he was so excited about the food every time my wife would bring something out and i remember looking at him thinking i want to dance i want to have that much joy i kept that picture in my mind there should be regular dance sessions in our life so I want us to consider this, whether or not we're marked with consistent joy or constant sadness. The psalmist wrote these words in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. It's a great translation. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Those are a lot of amazing statements. My question is, do you have all that you need? Are there clothes in the closet, food in the refrigerator or in the cabinets? Do you possess the love of God? Do you have enough for today? Last night, I, I, I'm staying with Dave and Elaine Soler's uh, great people while I'm waiting for our house to close and all that kind of stuff. And I came home last night and I had food in the pantry. I had a can of Skyline chili. Again, I'm not a healthy eater. Please do not press your granola on me. <laughs> I don't want it. That's not true, I like honey with granola. Anyway, I I get this can of chili and they have these weird, weird can openers that you sit on top and you spin and the whole side. I could not figure them out, I tried. I mean, I'm not lying to you, by the end I had dented that can up, I finally found a pair of scissors and just started puncturing the top of the can, (laughs) spinning it, thinking there's gonna be metal flakes in my chili, but I, I don't care. Man, I had food. Is there food in your closet? Are you lying beside still waters? That sounds so peaceful. Is your strength renewed? Or do you feel drained? I love that the writer said that the Lord was his shepherd. And I thought about this a lot. The shepherd provides for the sheep. The shepherd is the one that's consumed, making sure they have all that they need. Sheep don't walk up to a shepherd and say, hey, these waters are raging. Can you get me somewhere where I can drink? The sheep don't walk up and go, there's no place to lie. There's no place to rest. The shepherd is consumed with that. Has God provided all that you need in this life? Have you followed him beside peaceful streams? It seems to me that joy can be a simple matter of faith. And I'll explain that a little bit more, but let me say it again. Joy might just be simply a matter of faith for you. It may be true that God is your provider, but if you don't accept that, then you can't accept all that he has for you. Although we may be able to verbalize, yeah, Rick, I get it. I know that God loves me. Very few of us understand that God really does want you to enjoy this life. Uh, Let me say that again. God wants you to enjoy life. Now, when you make a statement like that, you have the crowd that says, yes, exactly, I mean, God wants you to drive a new Mercedes and live in a fat house, and if you're not rich, then something has to be wrong with you. Oh, if that were true of all Christians, and why did Paul say this in Philippians chapter 4? I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Not being rich does not mean that God doesn't love you. You may love the Lord with all of your heart and your soul and never drive a new Mercedes. But you can pick a used one up pretty cheap sometimes, right? There may be lean times, but that's just life. I started an organization about four years ago called Simi Valley Journey. And every single year, I will get an email or a text about November that says, hey, Rick, remember, we promised to give you for one year. Uh, you know, this grant, your grant is ending just to let you know, plan for December. And every year I start panicking. God, what am I going to do? How am I going to make up that money? How am I going to be able to feed the kids? How am I going to be able to pay rent? Oh my gosh, God, are we going to be homeless? I go through that. And every single year, usually right before January's rent is due, I get an email or a text or sometimes several I lost $3,000 once, and it's now January. Rent is due, and I got a text and two emails and wound up with $4,000 a month. I mean, God just does that every single year. You know what? There has almost never been extra, but somehow there's always been enough. I think God gives in two different ways. There's the Solomons that he just—you're a billionaire— you're smart, you're good looking, and now you're rich. And then there's me. I'm a little more like Moses. I'm stuck out in the wilderness with a bunch of whiny people. No, not true. I, not true. Lord. Uh, I'm not camping with any of you, by the way, ever. Don't take that personal. Um He's out in the wilderness, but think about Moses. Every day he walks outside of the tent, and there's just enough, just enough manna for the day, just enough food for the day. But there was always, always enough for the day. There hasn't always been a lot of extra in our home throughout the last four years, but there was a lot of well-fed people. There wasn't extra, but there was a lot of laughter. We weren't rich, but we baptized well over 40 people. Think about this thought, amen. Joy may be a simple matter of faith. Maybe if you want more, you want too much. If I say that God wants you to be full of joy and enjoy life, some of the crowd will say, no. No, the Christian life is nothing but sacrifice and pain. If you are having fun, then you are probably sinning. If you are enjoying life, then you don't understand life. Well, then you don't understand God. That's a prevalent thought, although often unspoken. We're just worms saved to serve. No, we're masterpieces created in Christ. I mean, if it were true that we're supposed to be miserable, then why did Paul write this in Philippians 4? Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice let everyone see that you are considering all that you do remember the Lord is coming soon don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done listen just because you're not driving a Chrysler doesn't mean God don't love you he likes Chevys too (laughs) whether you have it all or you have a little God fully wants you to experience joy I'm going to say that again I'm not saying that God necessarily wants you to be wealthy. Perhaps he does, and I hope he does, and then I hope you share it with me, and that would be a beautiful thing. (laughs) But I will tell you that God wants you to enjoy life, and if you want to come up and debate that with me, I'll debate it with you because there's verse after verse after verse. Jesus himself said, yes, I am the gate, John 10. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastors. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus, that's my purpose. The Message Bible puts it this way. A thief is only there to, kill, uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they, have real, they may have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That is That can. Whether you have a lot or little, that can be found in Christ. So if you're enjoying life and you're God, then I say keep going. Amen. Praise God. Nothing saddens me more than someone who knows Christ but seems to be caught up in daily misery. But if you're not enjoying life, then I, I want to ask you for your, a little more of your attention for just a little while longer. And you might say, Rick, why would I listen to you? Well, because, maybe because I really do love life. I love being around Christians and non-Christians alike. I really do. I was in Long John Silver's for the second time in the last three days, a couple days ago. <laughs> Again, I don't want your granola unless you dip it in honey. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I see this guy and I, I, he may have just gotten off work. I don't know, I, I, I thought maybe he was homeless. And he gets his food and I walk by him and I could, I could kind of smell him, you know. And, but God said, I love that guy, isn't that guy beautiful? And as I'm walking by him, I'm not making this up, He's taking his Coke and pouring it onto his fish. So I stopped. I'm like, dude, did you just pour your Coke on your fish? And he said something about scales. I didn't really understand what he was saying. I said, dude, that's awesome. And he goes, you want to bite? I'm like, no. I do not. But man, I instantly realized this guy is so amazingly beautiful to God. God just, this incredible character. And I, I, I enjoyed talking with him. He was just funny and a neat guy. And, and I'm telling you guys, when we can get to the point where we're looking at the drug addict or anybody and just see, that's where God, I prayed years ago, God, teach me to see people the way you see them. So maybe because I love life, maybe because I really feel like by the grace of God, I, I really live an abundant and rich life. Perhaps you should listen to me because I know poverty. I can honestly say that growing up, we were probably the poorest family on the block. I remember going to the refrigerator and opening it, taking out a bottle of ketchup, because that's all, and I mean all that was in the refrigerator, and boiling it with water to make what I thought was tomato soup. I remember that when I was a kid. Maybe you should listen to me because I have faced bone-crushing depression and come out on the other side. So this morning, I just want to make a propose a few suggestions just three quick suggestions that that might help you realize a richer and fuller life the life that god wants you to have so let me just throw these out there for you to consider number one let go of condemnation and grab onto god let go of condemnation and grab on to god god knows who you are and he loves you anyway If condemnation is what's keeping you up at night, then then simply let it go. If you're waiting for God to drop the hammer on you, then wait no longer. If if you're the type of person that something goes wrong and you immediately think, oh, wow, God must be punishing me, then you don't really know God. I lost my wedding ring. Uh, And I've had it for, you know, it was my third ring, my first one I lost, my second one I hate it. And the third one I've had for over 20 something years, my wife and I will celebrate 26 years next month. And I love that ring and I'm not lying. My first thought was God, did you make me lose my ring because I, and then I stopped and I thought, oh God, sorry. Crazy thought, that's not who you are. You're this loving, amazing, incredible father whose heart's desire is to push me towards the right you know me the psalmist wrote these words psalms 139 oh lord you've examined my heart and you know everything about me you know when i sit down or stand up you know my thoughts even when i'm far away you see me when i travel and when i rest at home a little little like santa claus isn't he you know everything i do you know what i'm going to say even before i say it Uh, The point is that God knows your every thought even before you think them. He knows the, the tries and the failures. He knows the victories, the defeats. He knows the clean and the downright filthy. In fact, David goes on to say, I could ask the darkness to hide me in the light around me to become night. Why would you want to hide from God? Well, because... Not everything you're doing is always that right. But even in the darkness, I can't hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. He knows your filthy, stupid thoughts. He knows how often you lie. He knows the words that come out of your mouth on a daily basis. He knows how you treat each other. He knows the arguments you had on the way to church this morning. He saw it all. He knows, but the Bible assures me that he forgives. He knows, but he died for that. He's going to continue to work that out of your life because he loves you and he knows it brings you pain. But if you're living with condemnation, then I want to encourage you this morning to let it go. Truly knowing God truly destroy, destroys repercussions. Truly knowing God destroys condemnation and self-condemnation. John wrote this in 1 John chapter 4. We know how much God loves us. Do you? We know how much god loves us and we have put our trust in his love god is love and all who live in love live in god and god lives in them and as we live in god our love grows more perfect your love should be growing and and let me get to what i mean by that so we will not be afraid so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment but we can face him with confidence because we live like jesus here in this world and then he goes on to make this amazing statement Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Such love has no fear. If I understand the love of God, then I'm not afraid anymore because perfect love expels all fear. The Bible says, another version says, perfect love casts out all fear. And he goes on, John goes on to say, if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If I'm afraid that God is going to punish me, then I don't understand the love of God. That's what John is saying. Perfect love, when you understand this intense love of God, you stop being afraid of God. Perfect love casts out all, I've heard it taken out of context so many times, perfect love casts out all fear, so go to the mission field. I get that. That works for the message of the Bible, but that is not what John is saying here. Remember, we're the first century church just hearing this. He is saying that if you really understood how much God loved you and the depth of your forgiveness, you'd stop worrying about fear of punishment. No more contemplating how much God must hate me. No more being convinced that there's no way God could use a person with my past. You want to enjoy life and not endure life? Then you must begin to let go of condemnation and grab onto God. God didn't take my ring. God loves me, and whenever I lay back and I start thinking how much I hate myself and how much God, I think, wait a minute, that, that's not of God. There is no condemnation. There's none left. He loves me. He's my dad. My children make mistakes. I don't want their lives destroyed because they made mistakes. I want to lift them up and love them and encourage them and take them to the next level and work through that, whatever it takes. And I'm not a better father than my father. Let me give you a second thought. Let go of you and grab onto someone else. Let go of you and grab on to someone else. I'm not talking about some uh you know addiction or some codependence that will destroy your life if you've got that. Let go of that. That's for another message. Let go of you and grab onto someone else. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, Is there, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together with the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? He's saying, are you getting anything out of this Christianity? Are you getting anything out of your relationship with Christ? Verse 2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others, wow, this is crazy, as better than yourself. I'm not better than that guy at Long John Silvers. I am not on a higher plane than him by any stretch. He is this masterpiece of God. Paul said, be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And then he goes on to talk about how Christ emptied himself of all that was his power and his godliness to become a man. Listen, guys, after four years of working with those struggling with addictions, I can honestly make this statement. One of the greatest hindrances to having joy is to care way too much about you. Let me say that again. If I could stand on my head, if that were physically possible and you'd get it harder, I'd do it. One of the greatest hindrances to having joy is to care way too much about you. How do I look? How do i appear how do people feel about me why aren't they meeting my needs i should have more i should have a bigger car i should have a better house i should have a better job i should have gotten all that man when you grab on yourself like that you will be miserable if all you care about is you then your pool's way too shallow Every negative comment directed at you will hit you hard. You may fear doing something for someone else or giving something to someone else because maybe there's, there wouldn't be enough for you. I mean, if your garage is filled with things you haven't used in three years and you're afraid to give it away, there's an issue. I and mean, If you're like, man, I would, I would love to help that person out, and I see that there's great need, but I can't help them because what if there's not enough for me? I want to encourage you and lift you up, but but I'm in such a shell of depression that I I don't dare go outside of me. That is a miserable place to be. You might find yourself sitting in a pool of self-pity because God and life hasn't done enough for you. And the question is, have you begun to do enough for somebody else? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide for all that you need. Then you'll always have every, everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. You know, I pray almost every night, God, bless me indeed. God, pour in joy, pour in peace, pour in finances. I pray that. But here's my prayer. And God, so that I am a funnel and that everybody around me gets spilled on and splashed on. I want love to come in so that I give out love. I want finances to come in so that I'm taking people to meals and buying Starbucks and loving on people and caring about people. I, I, I want to be this funnel for God. God's looking for funnels, not jars. Pours everything in, we put a lid on it, and we store it away. That is miserable. God, give me all that I need. Well, I need more than money. I need peace. I need love. I need joy. I need fellowship. You want to be truly significant in God's kingdom, then do all you can to encourage and love people around you. Be the greatest neighbor on your block. Love people. Hand out out compliments like it's your job. Make sure you mean them. People will see through falsehood. My son will always say, Dad, that person was fishing for a compliment. I'll say, well, then let him catch it. Why didn't you say that? Well, I was just fishing for somebody to say, you're just fishing. Well, then let let me catch it courage, lift up, love, esteem others better than yourself, you want to be truly significant, then give it all Then I'm telling you, people will do anything they can to be around you. You cannot give God. If you are the center of your universe, then your universe is really, really tiny. Everything, every, every insult, everything. Oh, 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 I didn't get 100 likes on Facebook. I didn't get, you know, nobody's looking at my Snapchat. Who cares? <laughs> and you get out there and you love them like Jesus loves. You care about people. You reach out to people. And I guarantee you, if you pick up their burdens, when you come back to find yours, it will be gone. You want to enjoy life and not endure life, then love everybody else around you. How about this last one and I'll be done let go of worry and grab onto faith that sounds so simple let go of worry okay i'll stop worrying but you know what i think it's easier than you think some of us grab onto worry like it's our best friend well there can be no joy in what we have if we're worried so much about what we don't have Everybody looks well dressed this morning. Is there enough food for today's meal? There can be no joy in what we have because we're so worried about what we don't have. Or we're worried about messing up or losing. Our lives can be greatly described as fear of loss rather than hope for gain. But look at the words of Christ himself, Matthew chapter 6, verse 28. Jesus says this, and why worry? He just paused there do the whole story. Why worry? Read through the Gospels and see how many times Jesus would say things like, How long have I been with you and yet you don't know me? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why do you have so little faith? So Jesus just turns and says, Why are you worried? It's a great contemplative question. Why are you worried and what has it accomplished? I'm at a point now where I understand what proverbs meant when it says with gray hair comes wisdom my hair is absolutely completely gray this color is just for men just so you know that i am really transparent i am like i am like yes yes gray but i'm beginning now that i'm going to be 55 next month for some of you are like oh my gosh you're old and some of you're like that's not that bad But I have really begun to understand what David meant when he said, I was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. I have worried thousands of times. And my worst fear has never come to pass. I have worried that there will be no way, and yet somehow there was a way. I have worried that God, I have messed this up beyond belief, and somehow God has saved me. Salvation isn't just when I die. God saves me all the time. Saves me from my own stupidity. Saves me from my wrong choices. Every day he comes in and just saves me. Times I should have gone down hard. Somehow God has upheld me. So Jesus says, why are you worried? At 55, God, I'm not really that worried anymore. Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? This is Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus? He's sitting at Starbucks with you, and he looks at you, and he says, Why do you have so little faith? Why are you so worried? That, that's what's going on here. It's, 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 a, it's a Kodak moment with the people. You know, like, why are you so worried? Why do you have so little faith? Verse 31, it says, So don't, don't worry. Okay, Jesus. It takes a lot of faith. But he starts with, Why are you worried? and then he ends with, Don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all that you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. A better translation there is, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness and He will give you everything that you need. Could it be that joy is just a matter of faith. I, I want to stay up all night worrying. I mean, sometimes, I mean, hey, there's a little bit of comfort. At least I got worry. I ain't got nothing else I got. It's just miserable. It steals your joy. Let go of worry. Maybe begin to look back over your life and say, Well, you know what, God, you delivered me from that. You know what, God, I thought that was the end. I, I, I mean, if I ask you to raise your hand, it, for you who've said at least hundred times, I've come to the end of something and going, oh my gosh, I'll never get out of this. And yet here you sit. I've heard so many stories of people that I was out of my job for two years and I'm like, how'd you make it financially? And you know what they always say? I I don't know. But anybody else? But I did. But I did. That's God's grace. That's God's salvation. That's God. I mean, I've gotten that insurance kickback check before them like, what? I got to spend this before they realize what they did? Once I was young, now I'm old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Does God really love you? Will he really meet all of your needs here and in this life to come? And isn't joy just really a matter of faith? Please, my friends, do not endure life enjoy life. Father, we love you and worship you and praise you. I just kind of want to let go of worry and just kind of grab onto you. God, I really don't want to be the center of my universe. I want you and the crazy, amazing, weird, beautiful people around me to be the center of my universe. I just wanna let go of all of it, God, and just trust you, have faith in you, love you, worship you, praise you and adore you, God. I Let go of condemnation. You died on the cross, there's none left. Father, I pray this morning that you would pour, pour peace and joy onto this crowd, God. That you would anoint them with the oil of joy above all others. For I ask it in Christ's precious name, amen. God bless you guys, thank you for listening.